What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Let's Rage Cougs presented by the Saxinian family, the unofficial Houston postgame show of your Houston Cougars. And we're off the heels of, Dan, there's no other way to say it, a disappointing, a brutal, and embarrassing, a, I mean, embarrassing encapsulates it, but that's not, I don't feel like that's not a, a strong enough word to describe what's happened at Rice Stadium where the Houston Cougars fell to the Owls 43-41 to in double overtime. And that wasn't even the worst part. They trailed 28 nothing. the Cougs did. At enter- heading into the second half, we're going to talk all about it here on Let's Rage Cougs. As always, thank you guys for joining in and being a part of the show. Let's talk about it. And now... The Saxinian family presents Let's Rage Cougs, streaming on the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel. So joining me as always, Dayon Dunlap. Here I am from, I guess these are some of the suites inside of Rice Stadium. It's actually pretty nice. A little warm. Dayon joining me as always. How you doing, sir? No worries, man. No worries. Let's get into it. And we're at a lost words. I think the biggest stunner coming out of post game was here's what head coach Jay Horson said. Here's what Nelson Caesar said. And Sam Brown, both Sam Brown and Nelson Caesar admitted it. They flat out said they overlooked Rice. They were looking ahead at TCU, they were looking ahead at the Big 12 schedule. They did not respect the Rice Owls. And the Rice Owls came in here, and they punched them in the mouth. They went up 28 nothing. And think about it. This is a game where the Cougars scored 35 straight unanswered points, and they lost. They lost in double overtime. It's unbelievable. It's embarrassing. It's astonishing. Uh, but ultimately, this is going to be the last time that Houston Rice play for uh, at least for the foreseeable future. Rice ends, snaps the seven-game losing streak it had to Houston in the previous seven meetings. They walk away with the Bayou Bucket and Houston season. Just like that, all the excitement of the Big 12 gone out the window. What say you? <laughs> yeah, I think it, it brings Houston fans back down to reality in regards to Big 12 and what to expect. I think um, I don't know any Houston fans who expected to lose to Rice today, let alone checking on the score and see a 28 to nothing score. And so, man, now with the loss early in the season, how will Houston fans respond? I expected players to respond and be ready for a TCU game. But how will the fan base respond? That's a that's a really interesting question. I can't wait to see. Yeah. Think about it. All the excitement for that Big 12 opener next week against TCU out the window. Uh, It's really, really a brutal loss for the Houston Cougars when it came to Rice and specifically the offense. Again, they got held. They got shut out for the first half. Donovan Smith had a very terrible interception when it came to the second possession of the game for Houston. Or it might have been the first possession of the game, but Rice did a good job. They got pressure into Donovan Smith. The play was dead. He got, I'm not sure if he was trying to throw it away or if he tried to force a play, but the ball ended up getting loft into the air. It was easily picked off by the Rice Owls, and here they went. They built their 14-0 lead, which turned into a 21-0 lead, which turned into a 28-0 lead, and just like that, it, it was stunning. It was stunning to see the Houston Cougars, quite frankly, be dominated in that first half by the Rice Owls. 
Right. And I mean, you really got to give kudos to the Rice and their coaching staff and the plan they had to start the game. I think just sticking out with the coaching, I mean, you got to say our Rice, Rice outcoached um, Houston, especially early on and having the kids ready to start the game, the way they executed play after play on those first four drives to score touchdowns. In a way, Houston was unable to um, get first downs and put together a draft of good points on the board, although you shut them out in the second half, which led you to get 21 um, points and tie the game over, sent it to overtime. But having a flat start like that, it, it was just happened all happened so fast. I felt like Houston could get into the game because there was so much time left in the game. But just you just can't get off to a start like that. I mean, you got to give credit to the plan that Rice had and the way that they attacked Houston moving the ball. And they were able to make JT Daniels look like a seasoned veteran, like quarterback that he is. And McCaffrey, they both made plays. Give credit to to Luke McCaffrey. I mean, he that touchdown, that second touchdown that he had that put up Rice twenty one nothing was an incredible one handed catch. Um, that certainly is going to be in the top ten plays, and probably might even be number one when it comes to the Sports yeah. Center top ten plays um, on Sunday, on Saturday night into Sunday morning. But let's look at the comments. The uh, can man says, "Fire Dana." That, that comments have already started. Fire Dana. Dana sucks. Chris B says UH acts like they hired Jimbo Fisher the way they avoid firing Dana. Jeb Fambro, Dana needs to be fired yesterday. Demerick, fire Dana, absolutely terrible performance. We're going to get owned by TCU next week. He followed it up again. Demerick did embarrassing. Joe Mendez, good luck selling out next week. And if you do, it will be all TCU. So like we mentioned at the very beginning of the show, and, and it's rightfully so. The fan base is frustrated. Um, and specifically, we're gonna get we're gonna get to hear those comments from the players in a moment. But it, it, for a program, especially last, coming off last season, where eight and five, they finished seven and five the regular season. They had a very very disappointing loss in the regular season against Tulsa. Obviously, they were able to bounce back in in the Independence Bowl. But it just it's so astonishing to hear the comments post game, and it happens. It's human nature to potentially overlook. Um, your opponent, but to fall 28 nothing, and it would probably is the most frustrating part is, again, they were able to shut down Rice in the second half. They look like a much different team. I think the biggest frustrating part when it comes to just the fan base perspective, why couldn't the offense? It certainly seemed like there was a lot more uh, motion involved in that second half from the offense. Uh, they certainly were not afraid to involve Donovan Smith in the run game in the second half. But it was a completely night and day different story from what it looked like in the first half. It definitely was a night and day. And I think um, early on, you can, from what I saw, Donovan Smith, was they took away his first option in a passing game and forced him to hold on the ball and go into his second and third reads, he, he kind of struggled. And they, he wasn't able to complete passes early on to kind of extend drives. I think early on they should have stuck with the run game even more to kind of set up some of those short down additions on those third down. But I think just the passing game really struggled early on. And Donovan Smith, he really excels in a quick passing game, get it out of his hands quickly. But Rice was prepared and really set on those first reads, that short passing game. But I think the passing game, it has to be opened up some. I don't know if it's Donovan Smith or if it's the coach. I know after the last game, Coach Hogan said that they were playing conservative because – and rightfully so because the way the game turned out. But you had to open it up. You had to put together some drives. But 
Ah, man, this loss kind of brings me back into reality where the program is right now at this time. I, I think that's really what it did for me. It was definitely surprising, but just watching how they were allowed Rice to, to build that lead, getting four straight touchdowns. I know you fought back. You fought back, but offensively, you got the playmakers. I think Sam Brown really stood out to me. He looks like a next-level receiver. I mean, I've been talking about that since last season. I think they got to do use Matthew Golden even more. From what I've seen, the way that they use him, I, in my opinion, I don't like it. He needs to be used in that tank deal role. Get him in the slot. Get him in these quick different matchups to where you can get the ball into his hands and he can get yards after catch. I mean, he made plays down the field. They made a, had a bubble screen in the second half, and I think he slipped. But with some of these shorter routes, how we use Tangle just to get the ball in his hands, I want to see that more. It was a, I mean, there was so much I can go on about what I've saw, but it, to some Rice, they earned that win. They definitely did. You got to give yeah, kudos to exactly. Daniels. He played well, and he played outplayed Donovan Smith. He outplayed Donovan Smith for sure. Yeah, yeah. especially there was a couple of plays in that first half where you mentioned he looked like you know, a Heisman quarterback. He looked like Patrick McCombs on one play. Just look at the first drive that Rice had. There was a couple – the two biggest plays on that first drive of the game, which Rice marched down the field and made it look easy. But Houston looked like they were able to corral – JT Daniels and he, he escaped, avoided pressure, and he found the two chunk plays, which really helped the Rice move down the field and that really set the tone for the entire game. Uh, put a pin in there. We're going to hear from head coach Dana Horson in a second. I'd like to remind everybody that's watching us on YouTube, whether it be on our Pod Slamma Jamma YouTube channel or on the Houston Rombar Review, if you're listening or watching, the Let's Rage Coups show on X here on our Pod Slamajama X account, of course. If you're listening to audio only the next day of, we'd like to thank you. This is Let's Rage Coops presented by the Sex Indian family. Of course, we also like to thank our other sponsors for today's show, beginning with Star Pizza, with multiple locations across the Houston area. Star Pizza is your go to pizza spot before and after the game. That's visit any of the three Star Pizza locations in the Houston area. Of course, we'd also like to say a big thank you to SACAB.com. SACAB.com is an NIL-based merch site that 10% of the profits benefit the defensive linemen at U of H football. So for your official SACAB gear, go to SACAB.com. And let's hear what head coach Dana Horvath had to say after the game, after the loss to the Rice Owls. The first seven possessions are, are just 100% unacceptable. Not ready to play, not respecting our opponent. Thought we could just go out there and, and play. Few more guys. Can you take take anything from the, the fight you guys showed yeah. in that in that comeback? Yeah, I mean we're not going to lay down. I mean this this group didn't do it last year. Uh, you know I was proud of how they they reacted to halftime. I was. I was proud for two quarters. I just can't. I don't understand how you can get it into overtime and not not have the will to win. <clears throat> One more. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Not have the will to win as Chris Gardner is joining us here on Let's Rage Cougs. Chris, I'll toss it over to you because you didn't have the opportunity to listen to Dana Hogerson live. What are your thoughts about hearing those comments from Hogerson? They didn't have the will to win. They overlooked Rice. They were ready for a Big 12 schedule. They were looking ahead at the Big 12 schedule. It's the complete opposite of Coach Bloomgren's postgame press conference and Rice press conference. You know, they gave up 35 straight points and, and 
Lou McCaffrey said after the game, we believe we could win. We did not have a doubt. We believe we'd win in overtime. We even knew we'd have to come back and score and tie the game. We had no doubt. So it's complete difference. Dalen Alexander, freshman running back, said in post game that the goal line offense was his first time running goal line offense <laughs> this year. <laughs> so he learned that he was he was put on the goal line offense in Rice's second scrimmage a month ago. Prior to that, he was not on goal line offense, and he ran the ball and got three TDs tonight against Houston. So it's interesting. The disappointing thing from a Houston perspective is it's human nature. Yeah, it's human nature and all those things. But I tell you guys, I'm an old, old head, old-ass man. You cannot disrespect the opponent and take people for granted. You just can't do it. It's way nothing. Kudos to Rice. But from a UH perspective, it's like they just figured Rice can lay down and just give them the – I'll keep the bucket. Games reward you for your performance, for your effort. It may have taken Rice a long time, you know, the overtime and double OT to get it together, but they we won the game. UH didn't. Now they're one and one. And I don't know, you guys tell me how the vibe was <laughs> earlier, these first 10 minutes of the show from the fans, because trailing 28 zip and then coming back down 27 at halftime, forcing overtime. What was the mood of the fans? Were they like accepting? And then thought Houston was going to pull it out, and then to finally lose it in the double overtime. What what's the mood? The mood right now is that the fans are ready to kick the curve on head coach Dana Hogerson. <laughs> They're ready to move on. Uh, when it comes to the fans that were at the stadium, they, for the most part, and that was a good, it was a, it was a pretty decent showing for U of H fans at Rice Stadium. Those, Chris, you were here. You know that the overwhelming majority of the stands were filled with Houston red uh, for the cap. I'm assuming that the, right, they tried to cap Rice Stadium because they didn't seem to have any staff uh, when it comes to the upper bowl section on the opposite side, even though a few a couple of people still sneaked up there uh, during the course of the game. But the overwhelming majority of Houston Cougar Red, it slowly dwindled as it got into the fourth quarter. But for the most part, there was still a strong presence of Houston fans. And when Donovan Smith uh, scored the almost game-tying touchdown, obviously the PAT was pending, but they got excited, and then, of course, to score 35 on the answer, take the lead in the second overtime. It, it would have, while it would not have been pretty had they been able to hang on and win, it would have showed some type of their mentality. And then, it, again, the bottom just fell out, and they weren't able to pull out down the stretch. And ultimately, Chris, like you mentioned right now, when it comes to the game, will decide if you don't have respect for your opponents, most often than not, it comes back to bite you. Mm-hmm. On the butt, and that's what happened to Houston. They tried to turn on the switch, and they just, they didn't deserve to win. Let me let me pull it down. How you doing? And get your thoughts because you know I'm just not joining you guys. But Nathan asked a question: How could they overlook Rice after a close game great last question. year? It's a great it's a great question. question. What well, Dana said it, you know. But the team had won seven in a row over Rice. They may have bought into that, even though a lot of the guys are not part of those seven wins <laughs> over Rice, seven straight wins, and it's been I think twelve years because of breaks in the series in playing Rice and UH, Rice was thrilled to beat Houston. And I think uh, one of the players, I think it was Dalen Alexander, said in his talk with the media, they don't like us, we don't like them. So this means a lot to us to beat them. Lou McCaffrey said, so now we can use this as we're the best team in the city. 
And it was weird to, to <laughs> me to hear, wow. but it's, it's true, ac- you know, accurate, it's accurate yeah. that this is Rice's first win over a Power 5 program. It's weird that, that Houston is not part of that because they're in the Big 12 for, you know, for a few weeks. So they're hanging their hat on that. So they're, you know, they beat a team, a Big 12 team. So that's going to take getting used to. But yeah, you know, Rice did what they had to do to win. They did not, in my opinion, keep their foot on the gas and they were up 28 zip. Mm-mm. The Cougs, you know, woke up from their slumber <laughs> to tie the game up at 28, but they didn't do the job. But I want to say this. I got a text from a prominent, I won't say who, the name of the person, but a prominent UH athlete. Person said, if Pesman doesn't have the balls to fire Dana, <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do. Things aren't going anywhere. Athlete? Did you say athlete? Chris? Athlete, yes, athlete. Current or past? It's not current. Oh no, it's not not a current. Okay, no, no, no. Okay, but prominent. But it, it doesn't. It's not going to happen. Dana has the right support from a handful of folks, and that that backing is would be enough to keep him around. We know it. Y'all know it. It's one and one. We'll see what they do. Bounce back. First game against first Big Twelve game coming up against TCU. I mean, they showed some heart and we won't call it courage to bounce back from being down 28 zip. So that is a positive you want to take from this, this loss. But you should not get down 28 zip to Rice, even though Rice is more, has improved their talent level in Coach Bloomkin's time at Rice. But as an old UH alum, UH football simply should not lose to Rice in football, period. Period. Yeah, it happened tonight in double overtime. So there we go. And I want to say, Dan, 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 get your thoughts on this. If you don't, I'm going to put you on the spot with a question. Not, a, not upset at you. Just a, one of my concerns was to see Dean Connors running back for Rice bounce outside to the right, right down, down the right side sideline, and was leaving UH defenders. I'm like, this is a, and no shit. Well, it is shade on D, Dean Connors, but to see UH guys getting blown by by Rice guys, <laughs> that opened my eyes. Oh my gosh, the talent level gap is not that big. It's not big enough, apparently. So there we go. All right, Dan. Yeah, I think it, the, the talent disparity really stood out, especially just at the QP spot. I think it's it's equal level there, and, and it's arguably you can say J, JT Daniel has more talent than Donovan Smith. They talk about how he was coming out of high school, his recruitment, all the schools he played at, and he kind of put it all together today and showed his talent with the way his ball placement, the way he ran that offense, and the way he handled it. But another place that I was really looking at to as far as Houston and, and watching other games, primarily Texas and Alabama, it's a huge difference with SAC Ave, the UH D-line and Texas D-line. The way Texas D-line not only manhandled Alabama, but where they manhandled Rice. Mm-hmm. Houston, the only way, only person that really got consistent pressure was Nelson Caesar. Cedric Williams was able to beat his man quite a few times in the middle, didn't get sacks, but he got quite a few pressures. There was other players that would get pressures, but – in the trenches, they were not able to dominate in the trenches um, at all. 
it was his spurts where they got pressure here and there, but he was able to stand in the pocket and make those throws. And that's a huge difference. I mean, Houston has to have multiple players that can get to the quarterback without having to blitz and compromise the secondary. And Coach, Coach Bloomberg said it. To basically piggyback up, up what you just said, he was asked what was the difference for Daniels last week to this week. And Coach Bloomberg said he played upright. He wasn't, he wasn't on his butt a lot of the time. Well, that's pressure from the defensive line or lack thereof. Longhorns, Houston. There you go. 401 yard, six most in Rice history. Yeah. JT Daniels, 28 of 42 passing, 401 yards, three touchdowns. He did have that one interception. Luke McCaffrey, seven catches, 99 yards. Dean Connor, seven catches, 82 yards. Braylon Walker, four catches, 69 yards. Bowden Groen, three catches for 32 yards. Jovo Johnson McCray, two catches for 40 yards. And he even on the ground, Dean Connors, eight rushes for 48 carries for 48 yards. While for Houston, 24 of 42 for Donovan Smith, 260 yards. He had two touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, one interception. And, and damn, to your point, Samuel Brown, he, he's been the consistent bright spot on the Houston Cougars offense. Honestly, he's been the lone bright spot, the lone consistent bright spot for the Houston Cougars offense. He had nine catches for 138 yards against Rice. And on the topic of Samuel Brown, we're going to hear from him on the other side of the break. I'd like to remind everybody, whether you're watching Let's Rage Cougs on a part of Simon Jamma YouTube channel on the Houston Rombaugh Review YouTube channel, or if you're listening uh, to the audio-only version the next day on anywhere, wherever you get your podcast, or even on X.com, this is Let's Rage Cougs presented by the Saxonian family. And, of course, we'd also like to say thank you to our other sponsors, beginning with Star Pizza. With multiple locations across the Houston area, Star Pizza is your go-to pizza stop before or after the game for some delicious pizza. Make sure that it's Star Pizza. And, of course, we'd also like to say thank you to SACAV.com, an NIL-based merch site that 10% of the profits benefit the defensive linemen at the University of Houston football. For official SACAV gear, go to SACAV.com. And with that, let's hear what Sam Brown had to say after the game. Uh, from a from a team perspective, yes, like we came out Wednesday, lots of days ago, like we was preaching starting fast the whole the whole week, and they seemed like it was just like a flip flip script. Like they came out fast, was down. It was just, but you know, second half we 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 overtime team. We family, we fight to the end of the whistle. Sam, what do you think were the struggles for the offense that first half, not being able to – I mean, there were a couple times where you could move the ball, but just couldn't get on the scoreboard. Uh, just the urgency all around. Like, we preached our urgency every snap, uh, outside sideline, alignment, assignment, and execution. And then what turned around in the second half? We just uh, – I feel like we came together as a team. Like, we was determined not to take no for an answer, which we – like, we still – we still that team. We don't take no for an answer. It is we came up short on one play. What was the halftime like? You know, what was going on? Uh, just a, just a typical halftime story. Like if if, a, if somebody's down, like it ain't gonna be pizzas and cream, but he, he gonna tell us what we need to hear, and he gonna he gonna tell us the truth, the ugly truth. That's what that's what it is. He gonna tell us the ugly truth, and we gotta capitalize. Is that almost more frustrating to have the big comeback and then you know still, still move? Oh, well, definitely. That's it. It, that's how I'm, I'm lost for words on that one. We are because everybody know we're we're overtime team. We usually pull it out, and I'm six months down. We lost this one, especially we was preaching on this this last value bucket, and we could have we could have did set something on um, in history by winning eight in a row. We, we missed it. Yeah, 
The, just the fact that you guys were able to shut him out in the second half and then you guys did take that lead in overtime, kind of to, to build on his question, but it's got to be frustrating where you guys feel like when you guys are locked in, you guys were able to execute really well against Rice, but that first half was really... That's just, that's just, telling, that's just telling the team, the, the, I mean, from offense, defense, special team, like, we come together, we, we can we can shut teams out all the time. Like, we, it don't, we don't always got to be woken up. We don't got to get punched in the face first just to wake up. Did you see a difference in Donovan in, in the second half? Uh, yeah, I seen Donnie football. I, I seen his name, uh, what they call him, Donnie football. He ain't, he ain't trying to lose just like me. Both coaches message to you guys after the game? Uh, that's, that's, that's a lock on top. We, we won't speak on that. Sam, um, you guys figured out, I mean, it seems like there's just one game each year, sometimes a couple, that you guys go in and Maybe you should win, and, and you don't. Maybe like Tulsa last year. I mean, do you, can you kind of put your finger? You know, good teams win those games. How how do you guys win those games, or how can you sort of build that mentality? Uh, well, what do you, what do well, you mean just that, you know, just from you know games like this where uh, well, we're, we're we're supposed to win, yeah, or, or at least on paper, yeah. Uh, just don't you, uh pregame speeds receivers like. Uh, we say don't play down to a level. I feel like we play down to a level of play beginning. You know, then once halftime play was like, like what are we doing with these kids? Like, you know what I'm saying? But you know, it was a little too, 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 too late. Is it harder almost even, you know, knowing you're going into a big week, big, big 12, there would have been a lot of excitement, but now there's going to be people, you know, saying same old view of that, that kind of stuff. But, you know. Yeah, but we don't, you know, we 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 still the same. Like, we're going to put on excitement every time. We, we want fans to come, but. We the third world coach, like we used to having everybody against us. We used to having a chip on our shoulders. Just you feel me? We gonna put on a show for ourselves, and but you know we still want the crowd to come. What do you guys have to do to get this out of your system? What has to happen? Short-term memory. It's, it's not bad. Short-term memory. It's, it's another opportunity a week ahead of us. So once again, that was Houston Cougars receiver Samuel Brown touched on a lot of different things in terms of the overall theme, thematic to take away from that clip. A lot of frustration, as you'd expect. And I do want to bring up this comment from from our YouTube channel. Bugdot says two point play was a terrible call. It should have ran. And Chris, you could test this when I believe it was Rice that called timeout when Houston came out originally for that two-point conversion in the double overtime. I was surprised that they were going shotgun. They didn't have at least the the threat of a potential handoff in the backfield. And Rice called timeout, and Houston stayed with the same call on the other side of it. And again, it didn't work out. It turned out to be a fade towards the back of the end zone that just didn't connect. Coach Mike Bloomgren said that he called timeout because they expected – UAs to run, Donovan Smith to run. So he wanted to call a timeout to make them go to a different play. So initially they really thought UAs would run the ball and the timeout, they thought right, UAs would come out with a different play, and they did, apparently. And there was that pass you know, to Golden in the right corner. So initially, Rice expected to run too. I like the two-point conversion play. I think Golden has to come down with that play, but I'm not mad at that play one bit. I think that's the ball he has to come up with. He came up with with two spectacular catches, similar catches like that. It hit his hands, all-star player, one-on-one. He got to come down with that. I, I, I like that play call. I'm not mad at it. I mean, you can – Give it a two a pass run option, giving down on Smith, maybe a, 
chance to pass a run, but you get that matchup, I like it. I mean, it's all right. You can argue and say, oh, maybe go to Sam Brown, but Golden made he made two big catches. To, and so I, I like the play call, basically. I'm not. It was, it was an aggressive call. Yeah. And one of my pet peeves when I critique receivers, if it hits your hand, you should catch it. That was a tough play. Would have been a great catch. Deion said it. It hit, hit his hands, right? Well, Matthew Golden wants that smoke, right? Well, all your hands, you catch it. Go to triple overtime. Chris, you knew this comment was coming from Rusty Reed. Well, there was that defense y'all thought was so great last week. Another belt special of not being able to shut down the opposing defense when it counts. America agrees with Rusty, says Duck Belt needs to get the boot as well. So a lot of boots going around from Houston Cougar fans after Houston's disappointing loss to Rice. The, the first quarter, Rice didn't punt in the first half. Mm-mm. You know, first quarter, JT was 8 for 11, 131 in the first quarter. You know, his first half was unreal, passing the ball like 290, something like that. There's something obscene. Yeah. But second really, half. Really his first quarter. You know, it was. It's really primarily his first quarter. They put 21 in the first quarter. Yeah, but 21 nothing. And he looked like he had, he could just do whatever he wanted to. And we need to ask Doug Belker, secondary coach, Coach Rowe, for any of the receivers, right receivers, other than Luke McCaffrey, they, the DBs are so far off of them. Mm-hmm. Especially in that first quarter. In the first quarter. Now, if your secondary is as good or improved as everyone says, why are they so far back? You know, eight, nine, ten yards offline scrimmage from the receivers. I expect Luke McCaffrey to have a big game because he did last year. And it's like his in his, his genes. McCaffrey says they make plays. Mm-hmm. And he did it again tonight. So, but everybody else, the other receivers, Houston was like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten yards away from him. Man coverage. See them at the line scrimmage. So you can touch them, you know, and try to dump, bump them off their, their routes. You can't do that if you're 10 yards away from them. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It was a lot of Cushion given, but then they, when they did man up and, and play man to man, they was actually able to um, get some stops. But the defense, when you're giving up those 21 in that first quarter, you give up seven in the second, and you give up none throughout the rest of the game. I mean, that slow start, that goes both ways offensively and defensively. Defense started slow, offense started slow too, and it it plays in effect because once the offense is going through and now not sustaining drives, defense got to go right back out there and they give up more points or they kind of tired offense in the rhythm. And so, they, but that goes hand in hand. Offense and defense got to hold both of themselves accountable on the slow start. But then as the game went on, offense picked it up, defense picked it up, was able to get stops in the overtime. That's where Coach Hogerson. I mean, as the leader of the – you wouldn't hear Dion come out and say nothing what Coach Hogan says. He would not come out. He would come out and say – he would I, – I don't think so, that in my opinion, from what I've heard. He got to have, have his team ready to play and have them – have the will to win, to have the, have the defense continue to play like they play to get them to that point to win the game. Like, put them in that position as the coach. You can't – Let me from, But, like, where – Man, let me let me accountability as a coach as a you know, leader. Add, add to add to your comments right there. Talk about the slow start. 
he and Dana with his non-accountability answer. You're the coach. You call aggressive plays in the first quarter to get your guys to wake up, to get your guys to be on the attack. Teams that win, that are successful, Sam Brown, excuse me, yeah, he touched on it. Don't be the ones to wait to get hit in the mouth. You hit rice in the mouth first with some aggressive play calling. He was more aggressive in the what the with that reverse in the first overtime, more aggressive mm-hmm. that play call. Where's the stuff like that in the first quarter? And then defensively, be aggressive in the first quarter. Set that tone early. You're down 21 nothing. It's like you're trying to spot rice. We'll, we'll make it up. Now the guys, the team came back. That's nice. You should have been down 21 zip in the first place if you're aggressive from the jump. Demarek said, what stings is that Houston won't play Rice, Tulane, Tulsa, or SMU in a while, and they all beat UH and said goodbye. UH got their best shot, and they kicked UH's butt. When it comes to even going back to last season, you know, there's one person that's very happy with this win following uh, Houston Rice. It's uh, Commissioner Mike Oresco, I would imagine. Oh, He's yeah. The better Houston team, uh, at least for the <laughs> I'm sure that. season. But on the topic of specifically, you know, players not getting ready to play, I think Nelson Caesar was really the player that was most upfront about it. So let's hear what Nelson Caesar had to say following Houston's 43 to 41 double overtime loss to the Owls. Yeah, not, but yeah, I, I just 100% agree with what Coach Hogan said. I feel like we looked at them like they was a smaller opponent. You know, I feel like it was a lot of us on the locker room, including myself, who was looking forward to next week more than taking it one week at a time. So, you know, I feel like Rice came out here and did what they were supposed to do. But, you know what I'm saying, at the end of the day, it's college football. Anybody can be beat, so Rice did what they were supposed to do. And he was saying that once you guys did what you did in the second half to get back in it, he didn't, his quote was, I didn't understand how you guys didn't have the will to want to win mm-hmm. there in the overtime. Did you, did you guys feel like once you got it even there, I mean, did it, sort of go back to some of the what's what bothered you early in the game or did you just feel like the intensity wasn't there? I don't feel like it was a matter of will. I don't feel like it was a matter of will. Uh, I mean, I do feel like we should have finished out that game, but I mean, like I said, that's our fault because you're not just going to switch it on at halftime for a team that's been practicing Sunday all the way leading up to the game, so that's that's our fault right there. You said leading up to the week, you felt like the intensity wasn't there just in terms of taking Rice seriously. Was there something in particular, or was it just overall the intensity of practices? I mean, I just feel like we was looking at our schedule. And like I said, me, me personally, I was more focused on the excitement of going into the Big 12. And I was just so ready to get those preseason games out the way and finally go in. Uh, be able to play against a Big 12 opponent. But like I said, that's our fault. We're supposed to take it like a pro, you know what I mean? A, a pro's going to take it week by week, no matter who, you, who you're playing. So, you know. Does that make it almost even more frustrating to come back like that and you know, still not be able to you know, walk out with the win? I mean, I do feel like it's a learning opportunity for us. I mean, you know, I feel like we see what we're capable of doing. You know, we just got to get out of our own way and apply ourselves, you know, and be, you know what I'm saying, be the Houston Cougars. You know, Houston Cougars, it's a tongue Nelson, you've been here long enough. Is it 
tough to, to swallow when you guys have you, there's always seems to be one of these games every year you know maybe last year it was Tulsa a couple years before you know you get a, a game that maybe people think you're going to win and expect you to win and then mm. you fall flat or it just doesn't work out do you do you get that a little bit that you know maybe this was that game this year and it was it was early and that makes it a little bit tougher to do uh, so I mean I do got two points right right now uh, I do believe I think it was 2016 you know uh, that team that went to that played in the Peach Bowl, you know, I think they lost to UConn. I feel like the exact same situation. They just didn't take their opponent serious. So, I mean, like I said, that's 100% on us, but uh, I forgot my second point. But yeah, that point right there is a good point. Just in terms of, uh, just in terms of obviously, you guys turn around. You do have that big opponent next week. How for you, as one of the leaders on the defense and on the team, how are you going to help the team, you know, put this game in the rearview mirror and look at it to TCU? I mean, sure. We just use this game as a learning experience, you know. Don't, I mean, win, lose, or draw, man. You got to look You got to look at the next week. It's a, it's a new opportunity next week. So, I mean, you can't hang your hat on a win. You can't hang your hat on a loss. So, you just got to keep grinding and getting better. What do you think you guys did take, you know, Dana saying, you know, Daniel's concerned that you guys weren't taking it seriously. You know, more to heart. What, what, what do you think that did get that message and get through? I mean, like I said, you just look at our schedule, and I feel like a lot of us were like, man, we got this team, we got this team, we got this team. So it's like we were more focused on those teams. Well, I, I can't say everybody. I cannot say everybody, but I mean, I feel like me, I call myself kind of looking toward, look, looking at, looking a couple weeks ahead, you know what I mean, and getting a little excited rather than just focusing on one week at a time. So once again, that was Houston Cougars defensive lineman Nelson Caesar, who was very upfront uh, post game, and hearing him speak in the at that moment, um, you don't get to hear a lot of athletes talk like that after the game in terms of just how honest he was of about the team's mindset. And he, not everyone necessarily everyone's mindset, but certainly a, a good majority that was acknowledged by both him and head coach Dana Holgerson. So. Chris, Dayon, I'll toss it over to you guys. What say you guys? What say you about those comments? For me, I was shocked. I was shocked about how the front it was, and even how he said pre these two preseason games. It was before it going was, to TCU. You know, straightforward mm-hmm. and honest that he this is a trap game. Everybody, a lot of folks were looking past Rice, looking at TCU first game in the Big Twelve, the first one of the Big 12's new homecoming themed stuff. Commissioner will be here in a few days. And fans are pissed off losing this game, losing to Rice. But how many fans look past Rice looking toward TCU? And I say that to say this. It's human nature. Not everybody did it. Not everybody, not all the players probably looked past Rice, but enough did. It's human nature. We can talk about it. We, we've done it in different aspects, aspects of life. Taking someone for granted, or uh, you know, I don't study for that test. I know all this stuff by heart. Blah blah blah. Different things in life, in sports, you see it all the time. This isn't the this isn't the first team to look past somebody. This isn't the first team to lose a trap game. It happens. It shouldn't happen. You can say it's excuses. You blame it on coaching. If Dana said, "Take Rice serious," if he said it to his blue in the face, well, Nelson Caesar said himself he looked past Rice and was looking toward TCU first Big 12 opponent. That happens. So if Nelson won the best player, one of the leaders of the team, if he did it and other teammates did it, that adds up. And that's why you saw that 
trash in the first quarter and that trash for 24 minutes of the first half. 28 zip. Dan, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I think it's human nature, and I, I appreciate his honesty because he could just give cliche answers to the media. But I, I think that shows his character and, and holding his truth uh, in regards to being honest. And as far as looking forward, he still kind of played. He had a relatively good game. But I think it's just human nature, man. But for me personally, um, it just brings me back to reality where Houston is currently at this level in regards to currently football and where they have to go in regards to to reach better. He did also have a good point talking about the 2016 team that lost to UConn. Mm-hmm. That was a really good point as well. And so this could propel them to maybe bring them closer, bring them more focused to put more of a complete game because, I mean – when they did change up their coverages and, and, and play man-to-man, they pretty much shut McCaffrey down in the second half. If I can remember off the top of my head, he had maybe one or two catches in the second half. Um, Isaiah Hamilton, great ball skills, the way he was able to get that pick. So they had some highlighting plays in regards to defense and coverage. You, you got to be able to get pressure to the quarterback. We meet, need more pressure outside of Nelson Caesar. Um, getting to the quarterback, Sack Av got to um, be more active. I mean, there was some players who, who was able to get pressure in that second half and not have a clean pocket, but that's the biggest glare up front, not being able to dominate in the trenches. Running game was alive, but maybe you got to run the game more, especially to start that game. I mean, the passing game, it, it, I don't know what it is, but it, it doesn't seem that it's going to have an explosive passing game. I expect this power running game with Donovan Smith and the quarterback. I think um, we didn't see Brandon Campbell today, but I think you can lean more on the run game, lean more on Donovan Smith to try to condense the game, win a time of possession, keeping those third and short so, so you're not in the third and long obvious pass situations. You know, That's- I want to see Tony Mathis and Parker Jenkins get the ball more on the ground. Let's see them. The running game seemed to be better with them in the game. It, what I was exactly about to say, Chris, in terms of the running game, besides Donovan, Donovan Smith had 16, 16 rushing attempts. Uh, Tony Mathis, Stacey Sneed, and Parker Jenkins combined had 21 attempts. And Parker Jenkins, he had a couple of flashes. He arguably had the he's arguably had the best run of the entire season when he had that 22-yard gain in the third quarter. But there whether it be that they're just not trusting the ground game enough and some of it in this game in particular was because they found themselves on a 28 nothing hole. But even to open up the third quarter, they go on the seven-minute drive, 15 plays, they travel 77 yards, and they come away with zero points. That's brutal. And now, again, looking back at it in hindsight, they come away with some points there. There is no overtime. They come away with a victory. It's just, again, it, what seems to be the story for the Houston Cougars um, for the past few years, it's just not being able to take advantage of the opportunities when they present themselves. And particularly when it came to this game, it came back not only to bite them, but the mentality was a big factor from a, at least if you hear from the players' perspective and even head coach Dana Holgerson's perspective as well. And it was a big reason why Rice came in here. They were motivated and they came away with the victory. I, you know, I, I thought, and I'm kind of cutting myself off at the knees with this, I thought they should have gone for the field goal on that long drive. Get some points. You know, seven-minute drive, start the third quarter, and it showed. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they scored 21 points in the fourth. It just got something right there 
on that on that long seven minute drive. Make it twenty eight ten. Who knows? But hindsight didn't get it done. Still got to overtime. Still had a chance to force a third overtime. Just that bad start. And Rice is improving. The talent level is improving. Rice is not on Longhorns level. As we saw tonight, neither is Houston on the Longhorns level in terms of talent. But you really can't, and I'm going to say Rice is a good team because they were tonight. You can't spot anybody 28 nothing. You know, but Houston did that. You can give them credit for coming back, forcing overtime, tying at 28, and taking the lead. But do something positive in that first quarter, and you're not down. 28, 21, nothing after the first, and then 28, nothing in the second. Do something. The start was just awful. It was just trash. It wasn't aggressive on anybody from the head coach on down. Dana wants to say it's on the players. I go back to it again. You are the head coach. You need to call some plays to get them aggressive, to wake them up. If players are going through the doldrums, take those players down for a few plays and put in some guys to, who are going to fight and be aggressive. Is it the, who's the head coach? Nelson Caesar or Dana Hogerson? That would be Dana, Dana Hogerson. So it's on him. Don't yeah. toss the players under the bus. You can pay the big bucks to win these games, to win these rivalry games. He didn't do it. And that's my issue with him as he's been here for all this time. Yeah, he's, he reaches 120 games. You know the stat media puts out, department puts out. One of a handful of teams won 20 games the last two years with two bowl wins. How many wins over teams with winning records? Not many out of those 20. So really, who's he, who's he beating? See, so y'all know, folks who follow Les Rage Cougs know how I feel about that man. So I'm not surprised he lost tonight. But he'll, he'll still be here next season, unfortunately. That will be a surprise if he gets let go ever <laughs> before his contract is up. That'll shock me. Sammy South is reading. I was reading his comment word for word as well. I'll be shocked if it happens. Anytime within the next two years, I'll be shocked. Despite, I go back to what I said on other shows, despite what I heard at Big 12 Media Day in July, two folks who I trust, who I trust, said that if Dana doesn't win five games, he'll be fired. I still don't believe that, but that's what they said. Well, Chris, at this point, you expected them to be one and one heading into the game against TCU. They are one and one, but yep, this, the games were the games were reversed. They were flipped. I'm be honest, I did not expect them to drop this game against Rice whatsoever. I'm thoroughly surprised um, with the outcome of this game. But let's look ahead to Week Three's Big Twelve debut for the Houston Cougars. It's going to be their first official uh, conference game in the Big Twelve, and a big downer that this game uh, rice really is leading off to that game. It'll be interesting to see what the environment is like for that game, especially when it comes to, again, a lot of momentum out the window when it comes to loss at rice. But if Houston struggled against the Owls when it came to being able to stop their playmakers next week is going to be a completely different 
level, a completely different league when it comes to TCU's playmakers. And I'm thinking about what Trey Sanders is going to do to the Houston Cougars' defensive line. He showed out against Colorado. Colorado, look what they did to Nebraska today. It could get ugly. It could get ugly, Chris. Well, but the positive is it sounds like the players won't take up for granted, <laughs> won't take TCU for granted. So they might be locked in from the opening kickoff. So if they do that, that'll be a change. Then we'll, it comes down to two things. Talent. And then if it comes down to head coaching, y'all know what I do when it comes down to head coaching. They ain't against anybody. I'm taking anybody. <laughs> I think it'll come down to turnovers and QB play. Um, whichever team can win the turnover battle or whichever team can have the better quarterback play, I think will win the game. Um, TCU has two really good running backs, Sanders, and the other guy, I believe his last name is Bailey, who was even more explosive than Sanders. And they got great skill positions on the outside, but I think Houston can, if they can get to rush the quarterback, get pressure on Riley, he will throw the ball to the other team. So, um, if you can cover, I mean, it's college football. You got a chance sure. from in game to week, and so I, I can see where Houston can match up with them, talent for talent, speed for speed, player for player. It's just about the execution and the game plan, and the, the entire um, thing that goes into winning a football game. But I expect Houston to play better. I, I really want to see more from Donovan Smith. I think that passing game has been pedestrian so far through the first two games. I do not like the way they're using Matthew Golden, and and it kind of really plays into what Coach Hogerson said during the week. He said, and they have good receivers to where they can just plug them in spots and allow them to play. Versus last year, you would see they would move Tank around in different spots to get him the ball strategically, and that's what I would like to see more of with Matthew Golden. I wouldn't want to see uh, Man Jack in a slot getting that slant, even though he drew, drew coverages. Last year, there would be Tank in the slot getting that man-to-man coverage to get the ball in his hands to make that play. I think Golden needs to be used in that area instead of just down the field or screens, but that's just kind of pick and choose and from my personal preference. I mean, man, Jack can make plays. It's not a knock on him. He's a good player. He can catch. He's he's a good player. But just just kind of me nitpicking. But I think um, they have a chance against TCU. Um, but they're going to have to come out and win up front, I think. Yep. In the trenches. Offensive line, defensive line. Because that's what it comes down to. And, and those two parts of the game, they set a tone. If the Coug defensive line can get to the quarterback, without having a blitz, just their front, then you're getting the job done. The offensive line reverse that. If the offensive line can set the tone running the ball in the first quarter, just punting TCU in the mouth, you set a tone that way. But if you lose in that, the battle in the trenches, you're going to struggle. It hurts your what you want to do. If you want to be exotic and fancy with stuff, that offensive line, defensive line, you got to win up front. And it's Big 12 football now, so we're going to see what, what Houston has starting next Saturday. Yeah. Jim Fambro and Chris, you mentioned when it came to the battle in the trenches, uh, that right side of the offensive line needs a uh, big-time help. It's been one of the reasons why, even when you think of Donovan Smith's interception, and uh, the again, this game, Houston finds itself in a hole already, so you don't know how much of a factor that played into trying to you – know, 
genuinely tried to establish a running game, but it just has not been great for the first two games this season. And now there's going to be a big increase when it comes to talent level uh, against TCU. Not, nothing to take away against UTSA and Rice, but TCU is a whole nother level. And Coleman Coco, Rice's left defensive end, he got his two sacks tonight going against Houston's right side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, that right side of the line needs help. And the right side, offensive line was a concern because of the guys who, who left. Transfers and Coach Ngavi coming in. The offensive line was a concern for, you know, some folks for a while because of who came in, who left, new coach, new philosophy, new style. First two games, they haven't been clicking. And the talent level for the opponents, we think, is going to continue to get better as the season progresses outside of Sam Houston State now. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think the talent is talent. D1 talent is D1 talent. And I say that because Texas State beat Baylor. Texas State lost to UTSA today. Talent is talent. It's just about executing. Everybody got talent. I think you can but play. Coco came from Colgate. I don't know what Colgate is. That's a school, <laughs> college. <laughs> college. It's, not, it's, it's not FBS school, but yeah. yeah but still, though, he got to have talent to get to that level. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. There's levels of talent, of course. Of course. Mm-hmm, sure. Yeah, but, man, I think Houston can – they can play with TCU. It's just about when it gets about the schemes and the coaching, and that's the different elements that I'm thinking about. I think Houston got the talent. Houston got – I don't know if Donovan Smith is a long-term quarterback. This is two games, and I watched maybe four or five of his games on YouTube throughout the summer just to kind of get a feel for him, and it's exactly what i seen while watching his games at Texas Tech. He get the ball out, quick passing game, that he could be really effective, really efficient. He could play in a really good rhythm. But when you make him hold on to a bit of second and third read and, and throwing the deep ball downfield, it, it, it doesn't – it ain't it, it ain't there consistently. But it's still early in the year, man. I ain't ready to give up on to put a fork in him yet. But I want to see more from the passing game, more from the schemes to get the receivers open. I mean, I don't know. Sam Brown is a dog. Matthew Golden is a dog. Um, we got a we got a secret. It's more than just establishing a run. It's sticking with the run because early in that game, I think the first drive, Donovan Smith um, gave up on it too soon. Quarterback run, it got eight or five yards. Then you go to these little gadget passing plays. Yeah, and the and the problem with those is that the blocking outside with the receivers is not good. It's not, not good. good. Exactly. Yeah. Like you're yeah. out tricking yourself at some point. Like stick with the run. And so that's what got them back into the game in the second half was running the football and sticking with it. But man, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I wanted and to bring up the comment. Up. Yeah, the, Just that we, thinking alike exactly. I'm a, I'm a tight end guy. <laughs> you know, I'm a tight. Get the ball to tight end, you know, especially so. in a short passing game. We yes. we you know, get the ball out so quickly. Why not use the tight ends? Quick hitches, quick flash. I agree with that. Look to get the tight ends the ball more because that can open up on the outside. Yep. yep. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And also use the backs more because they're replaced throughout. Um, with the commentators did a great job of showing if Donovan Smith would have just checked it down, it was a lot of room for those running backs to run. And so there's so many areas, and I know they watch film that they would be like, dang, I did love some more plays out there. But 
overall, Houston, they got the talent. I think they need more talent up front, though, especially on the D-line. But when I'm seeing from Texas, UHA, they got levels to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Yeah. They got levels to go. You talk about October, real D-line play. October 21, I know what I've said. Um, I'm, oh, I, don't I, don't back down no confident, No confidence in it whatsoever, <laughs> but I'm not going to switch <laughs> any given Saturday. You know what? Who knows? Maybe, maybe TDC Stadium. The the wind the will be look past you. direction. You know, you know what? That's a great. That's a great I don't point. Know the point I did, is after that. Yeah, I did want to bring up Alan Tran's comment. I guess Alan Tran kind of switched allegiances too. He has a the Baylor profile picture now, but he says this is something I noticed as well. When when Houston again, uh, when they made that rally, when they were up tempo, and they, it, Chris, before you joined on, uh, Dan and I talked about how. When they started to make that rally and they came back, there was a lot more motion. There was a lot more movement on that offense that made it harder for Rice to be able to stop. And then, no, no surprise, Houston was able to put up points on the board. We didn't see that in the first half. So I'm kind of curious to see if they'll stick with it going forward for the rest of the season. They should because you got to go with what works. And I, I thought coming into this game, one of the Cougs' advantages was in depth. And if you play fast, play up-tempo offensively, you're using more players and you're wearing Rice down because they don't have the depth of players, talented players. But you play slow and methodical, you allow Rice to be okay and hang around and take advantage of their big lead. It's, it's just going back to my part about the coaching staff not being aggressive. There's different ways of being aggressive. You play fast. Run the ball, stick with the run. It's just different ways of being aggressive in in in, in the play calling. You got to do that. So as we start to wrap things up, Dayan, I'll go to you first. Any final takeaways from this game against Rice and anything looking ahead to TCU next week? You got to start faster. Got to start faster on both sides of the ball. Um, offensive Offensively, what is what is Houston's identity this season? I mm-hmm. think that's something they need to be able to establish. What is our identity going to be this season offensively? What is it right now? Two two games. Can you guys tell what it is? Nope. Maybe they found it here in the second half when it comes to being an up tempo team. Maybe I think that needs to be established. And the defense, I don't know, man. Defense, secondary, I don't know. It's like you see. I don't know. I'm just optimistic. I, I think this game just put a lot of things in perspective for me about where Houston is currently, where they are. and um, But any given Saturday, I still think that they can win some of these games. I really do. And, you know, one thing Chris Pesman said, has said, that a successful season this year, first year in the Big 12, is going to a bowl. Mm-hmm. On record. That's five, that's five more wins. I'm not sure they're going to get those five more wins. Andy is. We'll we'll see. I think so. I was but counting on them to get this Rice game to be <laughs> to be a much closer. Yeah, I think uh, so. But I can also see them not <laughs> not getting it. <laughs> yeah, the, the bottom of the They can, but I can see a scenario where it looks bad. <laughs> but you know, look at it, TCU. Did not look good against Colorado. Maybe that's because Colorado. 
offensively, mm-hmm. TCU did fine. <laughs> Defensively, they had, they had some problems. What TCU's going to show up next week? Baylor's struggling. What's Baylor going to West Virginia, supposed to be the worst team in the Big 12 this, this coming season. We'll see. There are some, on paper, winnable games for Houston in conference play, especially in Antiana's eyes. <laughs> so we'll see as the season progresses. Cincinnati, West Virginia. I mean, yeah, Baylor lost to Texas State. So, again, I get maybe this is just one of those random years in, in college football, but we shall see. So, once again, the final score from Rice Stadium, Houston Cougars fall to the Owls 43-41. to And the Rice Owls snap the seven-game winning streak, and they take home the Bayou Bucket. They might keep that. Leading up to the week, there was a lot of talk about both teams wanting to continue to schedule this game. If I'm Rice, I said, you know what? We don't need to play you guys again. Just keep the Bayou Bucket. Keep it for the foreseeable future. You know, that's not the winning mentality. You know, Dana wants wants it to continue. Pez likes it. I think Rice likes it because, you know, it's not far in distance. It's easy on travel. So, reduces the expenses of it. But in terms of future scheduling, it has to be like, what, five, six years down the line, maybe at the earliest? Well, potentially not. I mean, they, they have a non-conference slot open now that Colorado will be a big oh, that's true. Right. So yep. They might have had some wiggle room, but it, we'll see. It could could be uh, – at this point, we don't know when the next Houston Rice game will be. Um, so – for the foreseeable future, Rice is going to keep that Bayou bucket. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Let's Rage Coops presented by the Saxonian family. As always, we'd like to thank each and every single one of you guys that took the time to not only watch our show, but comment, whether it be on YouTube, on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel, on our Pod Slamma Jamma YouTube channel, on our official Twitter account, x.com, I guess now. But Chris, I'm going to go to you first. Where can people find you and any final thoughts you'd like to add? I, I just want to say that um, if you didn't get a chance to watch the funeral services for Reggie Cheney, I think the link is available for for 90 days. 90 days, so watch it if you can. Hear Coach Kelvin Sampson's, what he said at the services today and how emotional Coach Sampson was talking about Reggie Cheney. I just, you know, I'll say that website-wise, HoustonRoundBarView.com Houston Rob Review on Instagram and TikTok and threads. Uh, basketball season not a, is around the corner. Coog <laughs> fans. But we had a this coming week, that. Houston hosts TCU in the first Big 12 game for the Cougs. I still think it'll be a sellout. Might be more purple than, than mm-hmm. previously thought. But uh, just join us next Saturday for the next edition of Less Rage Cougs. And, and, uh, We'll keep doing this and, and bring you content that hopefully you enjoy. Yeah, I just wanted to add on to your point, Chris, just in terms of it, it was really difficult to see Calvin Sampson uh, speak at Reggie Cheney's funeral and, and you know, get that emotional because from a media perspective, we talk to Calvin Sampson often and it's very rarely that we get to see that side of Kelvin Sampson, which for me, it just made it hit that much harder. And obviously, of course, the entire team still mourning the sudden loss of Reggie Chaney. So our thoughts and prayers with the entire Houston Cougars men's basketball team and, of course, the Reggie Chaney family as they continue to grieve and mourn through that process. And 
Dayan, I'll toss it over to you for closing uh, your closing comments and, of course, um, our sign-off as always, sir. I mean, you guys said it well. Condolences to the entire Cheney family and basketball organization, all the Houston Cougar family. But um, tough loss today. Houston has a chance to bounce back and surprise a lot of people, including myself and more Houston fans. Thank you all for always tuning in. Wouldn't have this show without you guys' continuous support. Always go Cougs, baby. Win, lose, or draw.